It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 28 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Owen Smith ahead of his headlining shows at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. And a mere seconds, the NCAA has proposed a major change to the structure of college sports. But is it the right move? I say no. And who am I? Well, I'm your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at CourtesyWave. And do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. It's very clear at this point if you've been following along with college sports and more specifically college football over the last couple of years that the ability for college athletes to earn some money based on name, image, and likeness has completely changed the landscape of college sports again the best example of that is with college football but you're seeing it in other sports as well and with certain individuals who for whatever reason have value based on name image and likeness even if their sport isn't one that generates a whole lot of revenue and in these two plus years now since this became a reality Plenty of people, myself included, have pointed out that the NCAA may ultimately find itself on the outside looking in, especially as it pertains to college football, because this is a group that seems to have been operating five to ten years behind where it needed to be as college sports in general, but again, more specifically, college football continued to evolve. The NCAA with Mark Emmert and plenty of guys before Emmert were more dinosaur gatekeepers than they were forward-thinking visionaries who were trying to stay ahead of the problems that would eventually catch up with them as the supposed authority of college sports and college football. This goes from name, image, and likeness. It goes for the transfer portal. Pretty much any issue that you can point to with college sports. And I'm just going to stop saying college sports. I'm just going to say college football because the reality is is that you, like me, care much more in all likelihood about college football than you do the rest of college sports. The issues that have plagued college football in the last few years, the NCAA continues to wage the wrong sorts of wars and trying to figure these things out. I would even argue that with the most recent attempts to incite federal lawmakers to come up with some general set of guidelines that everyone then has to abide by, the efforts that they're making say one thing with little caveats that suggest that they don't really care about those things that they're promoting to the public. Well, Charlie Baker has been praised by athletics directors, school presidents, conference commissioners for trying to be more visionary as the head of the NCAA. And a couple of days ago, he posted a letter at NCAA.org titled The Path Forward, a letter to NCAA members from President Charlie Baker. 
And in this letter, after pointing out just how wide-ranging, how expansive the NCAA is, 97 primary conferences across the NCAA, that it is time for college sports with the advent of NIL to consider, let's call it a highest level of college sports. Those schools, those athletics departments who have more resources to commit to NIL and have the donor bases to keep up with the arms race that now exists within NIL. That on its face is not a bad idea. As a matter of fact, I have been suggesting something similar will ultimately happen specifically within college football because of how much of a revenue generator college football is compared to any other sport. I don't care if you're talking about men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball, whatever else. College football is king. Period. And at some point, we are going to see a distinct line drawn with the top level of college football, likely composed of the SEC and Big Ten with every other conference, sorry ACC, sorry Big 12, you guys included, encompassing a lower level. In soccer, think of it as the English Premier League with the Champions League being at the top. That's what the Big Ten and SEC are going to be. Why? Because those schools commit the most resources and have the most generous alumnus bases to allow that machine to continue to operate. On top of the fact that we see some sort of clarity with revenue sharing from these massive television deals and money earned by schools who make it to the expanded playoff or a bowl game or whatever other ways these teams and these programs make money each and every year. But the NCAA and Charlie Baker fall short in an attempt to make sure everything remains fair under the guise of Title IX. Title IX, while not misguided, unfortunately has been playing by a bizarre set of rules all this time. That is... College football lots so many scholarships to, in 99.9% of the cases, to male athletes that you have to match that on the other side. And so Charlie Baker is suggesting the money spent on the men's side of college sports will also be spent on the women's side of college sports with regards to directly paying its student-athletes through the school and through the athletics department. That's the wrong way to think about that because college football needs to be a separate entity. I don't know if that means, well, I do know what that means. That means that it's not technically a part of the athletics department anymore. It's its own beast. And that will level things Title IX wise, allowing programs like the baseball program, for instance, to have more scholarships at its disposal while maintaining a certain level of scholarships for female athletes, too. And you won't have these ridiculous setups where you have female crew teams at a school that have 100 members, even though a a handful of those are actually competing on the crew team. That's the most outrageous example. Obviously, we had the story from a few years ago where 
some Hollywood stars went down because they were essentially bribing coaches at these schools to allow their kids on scholarship and crew and tennis. There was an example here at Texas with Michael Center that really blew up in a lot of people's faces. Well, that was the result of the ridiculousness of Title IX, but the idea itself is not a bad one. You just need to recalibrate. And that has to do with not counting college football in the numbers because college football is its own thing. Maybe if you're talking about those lower levels, you can keep playing that stupid game, but at the highest level, that should no longer be the case very, very soon and likely won't be the case when that new expanded playoff deal comes into play for the 2026 season and beyond. And the other aspect of this that shows where the NCAA's intentions actually lie And by the way, I'm saying this knowing that the NCAA and universities are being sued in two separate cases, one for antitrust and one for a complete lack of NIL and revenue sharing awareness from college athletes over the last couple of decades now is their insistence that schools be protected from being considered employers of these student athletes. So you're going to pay these student-athletes directly from the schools and athletics departments, but they're not the employer. And they're doing that to avoid long-term disability claims. Those two things don't go well together. Look, we are going to continue this conversation, not today, but going forward, because this subject is not going away. But I do need to hit pause right now, because coming up, it is the start of a three-segment conversation with stand-up comedian Owen Smith. He's going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. We talk sports and a whole lot more coming up next. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Owen Smith is a stand-up comedian and writer whose TV credits include Blackish, Everybody Hates Chris, Whitney, and The Last OG. As a stand-up comedian, he's going to be honing his craft here in Austin this weekend, headlining shows Friday and Saturday night at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Owen, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Good, good. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for providing the time. I know you don't have to do this because you sold out your uh, your mothership shows last week. So thank you for uh, for your generosity. Oh, that's good. I didn't know I did that. That's good. It sold out. It's completely sold out. There, I think there was a Is Sunday it? show. Or no, wait, you're not performing on Sunday anymore, are you? No, because they're doing a Christmas show. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, he was he was doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday at one point. Now it's only yeah, I was. That, that's that's what it was when I first asked. There were still some Sunday tickets left, but uh, no, you're completely sold out Friday and Saturday. So, Mm-mm-mm. should be that's a good exciting. should be a good time. Okay, a couple quick questions. Have you performed at the Mothership yet for a guest spot? Nope. Okay, nope, nope. and I know that uh, you have kids. You and I are in the same boat in that regard. What do, what are the I ages? Uh, my son is seven. And my daughter is four. Oh, okay, so you're in the thick of it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're just starting to like work out again and kind of get back in shape <laughs> me and my wife were just starting to go out on dates a little bit and 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 kind of get back to us a little bit it's Dude, been yeah it's you're been, holding on for dear life for a few years there you know yeah i was talking to this one guy when we were on the writers uh strike we were walking the line and you get to meet like a lot of people you don't generally get to talk to and this one guy his kids were uh a few years older than 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 mine and he said uh he said you're almost out the tunnel, man. You're almost out the tunnel. 
It was like like uh like war talk, but yeah, I, was, I, was, I never heard it referred to as a tunnel, but that was an accurate uh, uh depiction of it. Yeah, hopefully you don't have any trench rot on the other side. Your feet are all mangled from it all, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I hope not. And then the yes. other question I have, and the answer can be no, and that's completely fine. But because uh, one of the places that this will be airing is uh, my daily ESPN Austin show, are you a sports fan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What uh, What are your teams? Oh God, I'm almost embarrassed to admit my teams. Uh, I uh, I grew up in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, so uh, I got the Wizards and uh, the Commanders. Man, it's Oof. been a it's been a rough it's been a rough two decades, my friend, but. I enjoy the Clippers out here. I love the Lakers because I'm an older guy, so I root for the oldest dude in the league. <laughs> I'm emotionally like tethered to LeBron's uh, success and uh, fluctuating hairline, and uh, <laughs> I, I love uh, I love Kevin Durant because he's from the DMV. He's from the same area as me. Um, I, I love the beauty. Um, that uh you know Steph brings to the game and I do jokes about it in my act like I love whenever he plays LeBron because it's like growing up with the dad versus no dad <laughs> to me it's like who's gonna win <laughs> I just have fun with the whole with the whole thing and I um and it's so weird too because I'm older I'm not old but I'm older than the players now, so I feel weird wearing their sneakers. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I can't, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't have the same. Um, it's like a different kind of love and appreciation for the game now. But, yeah, man, so in basketball, I love them. Baseball, uh, I'm always an Orioles fan. Okay. Uh, that that was but, nice, a nice year for you guys. Unfortunately, yeah. it ended a little bit prematurely, but it's a better regular season than you've had in forever. Yeah. Yeah, I also like the Cubbies, man. My father-in-law, rest in peace, he was a big Cubbies guy. Mm. And uh, I'm trying to teach my son the game. Um, he loves to hit. He has cousins that play. Uh, I love the mental aspects, you know, of it all. His cousins are a little older, and they, they like, they're playing in, like, the traveling teams. They go to Texas all the time to, to compete. But my son, I, 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 need to, I need to take him to a game, I think, to get him to, like, fall in love with playing in the outfield he he did not like playing defense but neither did his team he was young they were all like picking grass and kicking dirt <laughs> they just wanted to hit which is uh um yeah and then football i don't even want to talk about it man it's been painful i mean um, but, yeah. rivera's got to be at the end of his run right like they what need to go a different nice? direction after this season oh i hope so but it's like how do you convince them to <laughs> to do it well, the starting uh, point is getting Dan Snyder out of there, and thankfully, that's uh, that's no—he's no longer an NFL that owner. That was big. That was big, and uh, I, man, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. To be quite honest with you, so I, I feel like they need a couple of years to kind of just reset, and uh, and once they see what what damage Philadelphia does in that conference, I feel like the ownership of you know start to actually do you know get out of their own way if i you know <laughs> the new guy has kind of a steve Ballmer feel about him where you can tell that he's yeah. really he's, he's nerdy and but he's really passionate about the team which yeah, i think ultimately is a good thing too versus dan snyder who's just looking for ways to squeeze uh every last cent out of every person involved with the franchise players management and fans yeah. alike absolutely absolutely oh man since this is on espn yeah, I, I did this piece. I wish I could give it to you. Uh, 
I did this whole thing about the goat. It was just my funny take on it uh, when they were talking about who's the goat, LeBron or Jordan. Yeah. I was I yeah. was saying this should be another category uh, for the goat. There should be I say Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time with a father, and LeBron is the greatest player of all time without. <laughs> And I I can state my case, man. Like all the greats, you know, Magic knew his dad, Bird knew his, rest in peace to his father, and Kobe's dad played in the league. Step, you know, all those guys. But LeBron, <laughs> growing up the tallest dude in Akron, on record saying he never met his dad. I feel like every time he saw another tall person in Akron, he had to be like, "Are you, <laughs> Daddy? Is that is that you?" <laughs> And I love LeBron, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I um I think that that should really be the case <laughs> that ESPN should make and give LeBron his crown because uh, it's between him and Kevin Durant, I think, because Kevin Durant's mom was the MVP. And uh, Kevin is starting to find his stride. I think he, he may, you know, see how see how long he can stay healthy. He, he It's going to be a great story between those two. You see how they both uh, cross that finish line. So. Man, Katie's obviously had such a fascinating career. And you, you're you uh, you're a big fan because you guys come from the same part of the country. He obviously spent some time here in Austin, too, as a UT player for one season. Was the Naismith Player of the Year. Set scoring records that still hold at this university. And, like, he's, he's a good dude. I realize he had the multiple Twitter accounts and people dinged him for that. Yeah. And he went to the Warriors and created a super team. But uh, he, he's just a fun basketball player to watch. And he has uh, forced the game to evolve because his skill set was so unique, especially when he first came into the league. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, and he was one of those people that, like, really, and to me, understood each matchup and how to exploit them. You know what I mean? In each game, like he actually did that work and you could just tell, um, you, you, you could just tell that's kind of like what separated him from the rest of the pack, you know, because every night, you know, it's a, it's a different look and he knew how to exploit those things to, to his advantage. So, I, I, you know, I hope that they're successful in, in, um, in Arizona. I wish they could have done it with Monty Williams. I actually played against Monty Williams in high school. Is that right? Yeah. He's a few years older than me. And then I went to Notre Dame when Monty played at Notre Dame, he was always a teacher. Like he was teaching me, uh, you know, how to do, we would play open, open gym a lot. He mm. was always teaching. He was, you know how strong you got to be to dunk with somebody. You know, he would like, he, he would like teach me like all these things. I'm six, five, but Monty is like six, eight, six, nine. Huh. He was teaching me how to score on a taller player. And then he would get upset when I would do it to him. <laughs> but yeah, he's from, he's from PG County. He was a uh, like straight A student. Model, model, uh, academic student, and he was a McDonald's All American. And mm. he used to, in high school, he because we used to do these things called game bells. I don't know if you guys do that in Texas, but it was like where you would go. So most of our games would be at seven p.m., but on the schedule you would have like a twelve p.m. game or like a one p.m. game, and you would play at the other um, at the at the other at your rival school, mm-hmm. and their whole school would like be able to come out of class and and come to the game, and so we played. He went to a school called Potomac, and we played Potomac during the middle of the day, and the whole school was there, and uh, and Monty got a rebound through an outlet to half court, 
the point guard didn't even cross half court. He just threw the ball in the air. And we were like, what's happening? And we looked, Monty was on the other side and caught it and reverse dunked it on our whole team. And the rim didn't even, it, it didn't even uh, pop back up. It like locked down. So the school was going crazy. Ah! I wanted to go home, man. I wanted to just go right out, <laughs> right out the tunnel. But he was an amazing high school player. Amazing. Then he played at Notre Dame. Then he went, I'm the thing with San Antonio and a few other, uh, a few other NBA teams. Yeah. Played did you play him. ball at Notre Dame or did you just play pickup no, when you got no, there? No, I did. My claim to fame at Notre Dame, I could have walked on one year, but I did the math. I was what they called like a, a tweener. Okay. I'm uh, 6'5". I have like a down low game. I have a community college jump shot. <laughs> so, so I um. <laughs> So to get rebounds over like six eight six nine six ten dudes, I was I was a liability, and I didn't have the stamina to to follow these six five dudes, you know, around picks and all that. I was based on a baseline player, so, and I still could have like played and been you know a decent person for them to practice against, but it was such a time suck. I said no, I'm not gonna play. But what I did do was I I won bookstore basketball, hit the winning shot of that. So anybody who went to Notre Dame, they know about that. That's like the largest five on five uh uh outdoor tournament. It's in the Genesis World Book of Records. And you mm. play against everybody. Um so all the scholarship athletes play and my team, we beat all of them and I hit the winning shot. Um so that was kind of like my uh weekend warrior. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's when I kind of put it to rest. Like, all right, I've done that's that's the extent of my basketball uh <laughs> skills time to time to do something else <laughs> it's the unfortunate conclusion that pretty much 99.9 percent of the population has to come to with their sports careers before it's all said and done he is stand-up comedian owen smith headlining at the comedy mothership this weekend coming up segment two of three with owen on the other side it's sports day plus with trey ellie it's sports day plus with trey ellie Back with stand-up comedian and writer Owen Smith. Owen is going to be headlining at the Comedy Mothership this Friday and Saturday night. I'll tell you to go to ComedyMothership.com to snag tickets, but the shows are sold out. Still, you should check that website for future opportunities. And Owen, you just talked about a personal sports highlight. That was a hell of a story. Hopefully everybody has at least one of those in their lives, even if it's like youth sports. Like, unfortunately... I peaked as an athlete in, like before I ever got to even like middle school or high school. Like I had an unassisted triple play and T-ball, and I kicked a goal from midfield <laughs> around the same age as well in soccer. And then it, I think I had, uh, yeah, I had the first three-pointer in my uh, my junior high's history because they had painted the three-point line right before our game, and I was the one of the B teams that got to play first, and it was this running heave of a three at the end of a at the end of a quarter and so I I I always get to claim that but it it fell it fell down greatly after that and uh, of course I'm still trying to uh, relive the glory days by talking sports for a living oh no I love it man that's smart man yeah I played against Grant Hill one time and that's when I knew I wasn't gonna go pro I was like (laughs) I was was in high school I think I was a senior no 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 because Grant is older than me by a year I might have been a junior and it was a uh Christmas tournament and I was dating this uh they called them like hood girls I was dating this girl she was all like oh you know she was like real animated and you know had my back like go on get him you know yeah, and she was on the sideline with my mom and I was checking Grand Hill at the point at, at uh at, at the point guard because I was like one of the tallest players on our team 
and he's I think he was maybe six seven. He's I think he's six eight six nine now, and he his his wingspan is incredibly long, and he hit me with a crossover. And most times, if you crossed over in front of me, I I, I can just stand in front of you. But his arms were so long, I had to like slide down <laughs> to his left and then slide back. And then when he went up to shoot, there was no way I could have gotten up that high. And I told my girlfriend right after he hit that, he hit like a deep three on me. I said, go home. <laughs> I was like, you don't need to see this. Go home. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm yelling at man he might have scored like 60 it was crazy and he wasn't even he wasn't even like he was just using us to find his spots he was literally yeah. running like drills on us it was incredible he was it was incredible to see and uh yeah 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 so i've had some i've had some humbling moments and i had some good ones i played against a few other nba players who who were like journeymen and i i got the better of them but yeah that was that was the extent of it when were you I mean, at notre dame I was there from 91 to 95. I went to school with like Jerome Bettis and Rock, mm-hmm. Rock, Rock called Rocket Ishmael on the tail end. Yep. And, um, bunch of those guys. Still have a lot of good friends from that. From that Were you that there moment. for that that Tony Jones-led t- championship team or was that 1990? I'm forgetting. That was right before me. I was there when we were almost undefeated and Boston College kicked like us. Mm-hmm. I want to say a 60-yard field goal to end our thing. Yeah, man. I was like, oh. BC, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Do you still follow the football team pretty closely? Yeah. I mean, but you know, so crazy, man. It, it, I don't know what this is, but like, it'll like ruin my day if we lose. I'd be so upset. So I, I honestly, I can't watch. I'll watch, I maybe I'll watch like three games, but I won't watch the opener. I have to hear about it. Cause I'm like, oh, the season. When we upset, and I always watch USC because I live in California, yeah. so I have so many friends that um, go to USC. And um, in my single days, I dated somebody who went to USC, so we always, you know. So I hit it. I hit it with the sorry for your loss this year because we gave him the business, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> and a few other, I have a few other colleagues that went, and I had a lot of fun talking trash to them. USC oh. fans earn the trash talk with as oh uh, ar- confident slash arrogant as they are oftentimes. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And they have like, I mean, so yeah, yeah. But I, and then, and then I'll, I'll slowly start to get the courage to watch like as the season progresses, but I'm always, I'm, I'm always nervous to just come out in the beginning of the season. Like, let's see how they do. <laughs> I'm always rooting for, I'm always reading about it, but I can't, some strange reason i just i was like oh man i just get so sad if they lose early early on oh man longhorn football has dealt with so much futility over the last almost 15 years now that when they beat alabama earlier this year it was weird to feel that sense of optimism i call it university of texas stress disorder like my utsd (laughs) kicks in if we even have a close win against bad competition so to beat alabama in tuscaloosa by 10 points like we didn't know what to do with ourselves crazy that was amazing that was amazing and the playoffs man i, I hope y'all take the whole thing man just whoo that whole florida state thing was tricky man that was interesting they needed i wish they would have had the extended uh what was it 12 the 12 teams in the playoffs i wish that was this year just to because man to go undefeated that has to hurt a little bit. I, I feel bad for Florida State fans. I've got a friend who is a uh, an alumni or alumnus from the school, 
And I was watching the game with him on Saturday, and he was so happy when they won, and they won by double digits with a third-string quarterback who looked more like a pedophile than a bona fide FBS quarterback. But they won that game, and they've got a really good defense and good skill, guys, and they still get left out in favor of an SEC team, you know? Man, and it's so crazy, and it's like, I don't know if if your nine-year-old or seven-year-old plays sports yet, but I coached my son's soccer team the last two seasons. And last year we weren't, we were about a 50% team. We weren't that good. But this year we almost went undefeated. We only lost one game. Mm. And like you start like believing, you start getting this sense that we go into the playoffs and and we lost our first game in the playoffs. We didn't have to lose it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, magnify. Imagine if we were on the coaching staff of Florida State and you, you were able to motivate these these because you forget these are still kids you know yeah you were able to motivate these kids to lock in each game and be flexible and go with the punches when the quarterback goes down and to still stay on scheme and 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 for them to get handed this this blow i mean honestly it's only going to make every single player on our team better for the game called life you know what i mean because just it's so unpredictable what what it throws at you but gosh could you imagine like we were bummed for little league soccer because like, <laughs> we got them to focus and they were playing as a team and just to get them to not cluster around the ball and the pass and to talk to one another. Like it was like great to watch them grow, you know, and see that they can trust their teammates and all this stuff. And then for them to lose and people were crying and, and upset. And it was just like, I couldn't imagine. I completely sympathize with that because I've coached my daughter's volleyball team the last couple of seasons. And this last season I was the head coach and we, Oh, and we were good. We were like you guys where it's like all of a sudden the mistakes had gone away. Like the first, you know, the first thing that you have to get in these, uh, these girls heads when you're starting to teach them volleyball, because this is the lowest level for all of them. Stop doing cartwheels right before somebody serves Yes. And then just be ready for it. Run after the ball. Keep your arms straight. Try and they were starting to figure it out. And we saw we saw these girls like individually get better and as a team get better. And we were just crushing competition all the way until the playoff week. So they don't keep score for the first seven weeks. The eighth week they keep score. We crush the team on the practice scoring game or whatever. And so the next week is the playoffs and we make it three rounds in. So we didn't lose the first round, thankfully. We make the three rounds in, we're a game away from the championship, and they just completely lost it. I mean, they lost their focus, my girls, because it's all about who gets the serve over at this level as to who's winning the games. My girls weren't getting their serves over, and I was bummed for them, but I was also, I was, it it ate me alive on the inside also, because I'm like, God, I'm about to be the Nick Saban of second and third grade girls volleyball here. We're about to run, we're about to run this league for the next couple of seasons, and we don't even make it to the championship game, dude. You're getting the shirt sprinted out. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it crazy? You find out your team's getting scouted. Other coaches are going, yeah, number 12 is pretty good. You're like, hey, you scouting my, you scouting my daughter? Yeah. I did that the previous game. I was in the gym. I'm like, I don't know if I should be proud or embarrassed right now that I'm scouting the second and third grade girls team that we're likely going to be playing next round. That's it. Yeah, it's something, man. I was like, and I've never played soccer, but I have friends like my my friend, my uh, comedian Ian Edwards, who's super funny. He's a big guy. He has a soccer podcast. So I would like call him 
I have a friend who played uh, uh, soccer at Notre Dame and Notre Dame's men. They were good, but they lost in the quarterfinals to Louisville. But I watched that game with my son. Hmm. So my son was able to see, like, see, speed is your friend. See how they doing the thing? But it was, like, really cool for him to, like, see it at, like, that next level. And because uh, I'm, 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 like, I'm an outsider. My first year, I had them running basketball plays. On the- <laughs> 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 I had them setting picks. They set the pick for around. <laughs> Flash cut. Pick and roll. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. Yeah, the but, spa- uh, the spacing does translate though from basketball to soccer. Obviously, you have more. Well, I guess at that level, there may may be close to five kids on the field at a time. But there yeah, are some yeah. things we, we that did translate into those going, two yeah. sports. Yeah, and then I was refing. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from refing. That was like the craziest part. I thought mm. I never thought in the trend years I would be a ref, man. Like, but you have to. To it's a volunteer league, and so. It's pretty amazing. It promotes community. And, you know, in a world where we're all on our phones and all that stuff, just to get other parents to, like, volunteer, yeah. you really, like, creating memories for your kids, you know? But it's – uh, and when everybody does it, it's a beautiful thing. But, man, refing really taught me the game a lot because you can see that kind of like what other teams do. On oh, the yeah. Levels. And I, but what my, my hustle was on the ones where it's three refs, I'm always the assistant ref, and I'm always on the opposite side from the parents. <laughs> those parents are ruthless, man. So I spoke with Ian several months back before he headlined at the mothership. Yeah, and knowing he's a big soccer fan, I I tried to get him to uh, to go with me on soccer at the highest levels, needing to adjust the offside rules. He's a purist yeah. for the sport. He obviously knows the sport a whole lot better than I do. He's like, no, this the offside rule is fine as it is. You yeah. you need to come to uh, to where soccer is and make that adjustment on your end versus uh, wishing that it were something like closer to American football. You need football. to come to where soccer is. Yeah, that's my man. I love me some Ian Edwards. He is Owen Smith, stand-up comedian who's going to be here in town this weekend at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Headlining shows on Friday and Saturday night. They're sold out. You should still go to ComedyMothership.com to find future opportunities to attend a show. It is a world-class club, after all. Coming up, one more segment with Owen on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. One more segment with stand-up comedian and writer Owen Smith. He is going to be headlining Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Couple shows Friday, couple shows Saturday. They're sold out, but I do still recommend you go to ComedyMothership.com. Find a show in the future at one of the top comedy clubs on this planet. Now, Owen, we were just talking about you refing for the youth league that your kids are a part of. And you had one more thing you wanted to add on there. What's up? What I what I pitched to our league is, I said on every referee shirt, they should put a QR code because it's a volunteer league. And it's like, hey man, you can volunteer too. Just hit this, hit this link, hit, hit this QR code and sign up and you can ref. <laughs> it's like, don't yell at me. I'm here. Just hit this little QR thing. And, uh, you know, because, whew. All sides is what, man. That's the one. That's the one. And what I what what I would do. Wait, do you, do you guys play? Do you guys play with offside? Not at my age level, okay. but I was also refing the older older. Oh, age. I see. So what I would do is I would tip the center ref. I go, hey, number seven, offside. You might want to might want to either holler at him or holler at his coach because uh, <laughs> this game is going to be close. And uh, you can see it. You can see my man. You know. Doing it, then they would score. Oh, then he would hold that flag up. I was like, oh, 
I'll be over on the side with my sunglasses. <laughs> Here it comes. You don't know what I'm we're gonna need an escort to his car yeah oh man yeah it's serious business all right just a couple more questions now owen obviously the mothership has gotten a ton of love since it opened at the end of march your friend joe uh he came at it from a a comedian perspective he got the opinions of other comics as it was being made and the end result is fantastic uh probably one of the best clubs on the planet if we're being completely honest about things what's your expectation going in there and and performing for the first time this weekend i can't wait man i just want to i when i hit up joe and i said joe listen every comedian who goes down to austin they come back to the comedy store with this look in their eyes man they just look just so whole and appreciated and like they had so much fun they talk about how they can't go back i said joe i want that look why can't i want that look he started laughing he said hit up adam and so adam gave me a date and so i'm i'm excited man like i'm looking forward to it i um i want to i want to put out a special next year and just put out more i don't know if you know but joe's always been on my case because i've i've been writing Mm -hmm. that I, i i that you know i haven't in the 90s and early 2000s to the mid 2000s i used to work the road heavy and then um uh, i ended up getting gigs writing and you know i got married and, and things of that nature so i haven't really been out as much and joe was always on me like man you got a tour you got a tour so my kids are starting to get a little bit older and so did these so i would love to make this one of my home rooms where i can come back at least once a year because i'm always writing i always got new stuff and i just want to you know and you want to find places where you can just be artistically free you know and just really connect with the audience and, and give them this business give them this give them these laughs man that uh so i'm excited i can't wait i can't wait i cannot wait and everybody that i just talked to uh uh, uh greg fitzsimmons he was like oh man this man it's i think he just shot a special down there yep that's high praise, man, to feel that safe to where you can, you know, try to capture that moment in time down there. I was like, man, I would love to be able to do something like that. So, well, he so just directed his own special too, which is a, an interesting twist on that great. whole process. Yeah, that's great. When you've been in it as long as we have, like you can technically do that. Like I directed, I directed one, I shot one on iPhones years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, but it is fun to also have someone you can collaborate with, just another set of eyes. They can say, hey, man, maybe do this or do that, do this or do that. But I, I do want to do one uh, first quarter of this year and, uh, you know, put it out YouTube or whatever it is. But I just want to get this, put this work out there. I've Between the comedy store and the other clubs in L.A. and being able to come out to the mothership, I mean, you've got the places where you can work that material out and... <laughs> Because of where your home base is, you can choose to uh, to cherry pick the places that you're going when you uh, do go out on the road someplace other than L.A. or Austin, right? Yeah, that's my intention for like next year. I was telling my wife, I want to be able to hit up at least like 15 markets next yeah. year and in uh, and, and headline at least 15 markets with the mothership being one of them. So 14. And because the goal is honestly, man, to, um you know, not, you know, to put this art out there, but also... Pay for these damn kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> they eat every day, man. <laughs> Look, on that so. note, you're obviously happy that the writer strike is over with. So, uh, so, yeah. so am I, and uh, everybody else who consumes 
television and movies. It was uh, way too long, and uh, it's done now, and that's great. And uh, everybody can get back to work and start cranking out new material again. Do you, do you have a favorite memory from walking the picket lines, or something that's a, a yeah. weird silver lining of that whole process, Owen? Yeah, man. I'll tell you, man. To be quite honest, it was so. The whole thing was. It was like. Um, it was very sobering and inspiring for me in that it was the first time that I realized and felt good about, I said, oh shoot, I'm a laborer. Like, because when you're a writer, you get your own parking space and you get people order lunch for you. So you have this like, Hmm. you may have this kind of like, you know, maybe a slightly elitist feel like, ah, you know, I'm a writer. You kind of feel like you're kind of like an independent contractor, right? You don't feel like you're a part of a team, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, when I became a showrunner, and I, I was always an actor, so I always felt like I was, I always understood that we were kind of like this beautiful group of like, you know, this dysfunctional family that made TV every week. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing all the different personalities that make it, but I didn't really understand like the levels. And then <clears throat> once the strike happened, I go, oh man, there's 11,500 writers in the Writers Guild. They're about, you know, I don't know, 7,500. I may be off on that. Directors. There's 160,000 actors in the Screen um, Actors Guild, SAG mm-hmm. After, which I'm also a part of. There's 170,000 um, um, IATSE, which are the, the people who, um, um, build the sets for us and the lights and and they do they you know they do all of that work for us mm-hmm. then there's there's i think four hundred thousand uh what do they call laborers they do like the landscaping and the gardening and, and these are their unions i'm talking about the union numbers and then the teamsters there's i forgot 1.1 1. 1 or 2 some million in the teamsters or something like that and i was like oh man like we're like the heartbeat like if you look at showbiz like a body we have the heart because the words we write or the concepts we come up with create, you know, uh, you know, opportunities for all these folks to to work, send their kids to school, get their homes. However, and like we all work together. And so when we when we had meetings and the Teamsters were like, we will never cross your picket line. And, and so one time we were walking the line. And it was a truck coming in and me and one other writer, we stood there with our thing. And I was like, so scared. Like, is this guy going to run us over? And he was like, and he just did like this, saluted and drove off. We were like, no. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know. It was like, a, I don't know, a galvanizing thing. And it kind of like made me realize what really matters. You know what I mean? And how we all need to support, you know, you know, one another because we sometimes just how you're ushered into this these unions you may not get like the orientation or told like the whole score like how we all work together you know to create uh these you know these things that come into your homes or or or, or going to the movie theaters and so for me it was like a very necessary thing to just kind of recalibrate and just be really appreciative of Mm of what everyone does and how everyone is very necessary you know what i mean so that so to me it was like oh this is really cool you know i felt I, for me i just felt good to belong to something you know what i mean because like as a comic that's an independent mindset like we're all independent contractors we don't have a union but we all come together for one another if a comic needs something we all you know if they need surgery if they need something we all do what we can 
to help, you know, our brother or sister in that in that way. But it's not like official, like an official union. We're very grateful for people like Joe who who hold comedy at such a high esteem and high regard. And we hope that the younger generations follow. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. keep integrity with material, you know, work ethic, help one another out. Cause what he's doing with this club is just a beautiful thing. And hopefully other clubs will will follow, you know. Um, you know, and not just you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get too. I don't want to like not get hired at other clubs, but you know what I'm saying. But what he's doing, he doesn't have to do this, and it's such a beautiful, um, beautiful gift to to the, the thing that we all love. You know, just the art of uh, making folks laugh in a dark room, baby. That's that's what it is. Well, know? it's important to reset that expectation for everybody because there. Look, this isn't the only good room in the country. There are lots of good rooms and. Nashville, oh, yeah. Zanies, Denver, uh, Comedy Works. Obviously, LA yes. has several really good yes. rooms. Austin, I mean, we we you know we're talking about the mothership. Austin has three or four different rooms that are popping pretty much every night, and they're so those are sprinkled throughout the country. But there are also those places that are like we don't even really care what the comedian is. We're making all of our money based on the the uh, alcohol that we're uh, selling and the uh, the fried food that we're serving to the crowd during these shows too. So hopefully for a, a lot of those folks, maybe they reconsider what their model is or uh, anybody who's, who's trying to newly get into that business reconsiders how they're going about things too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Owen, so, yeah. this is uh, this has been a really fun time. Thank you so much for the conversation, man. Safe travels to and from Austin. You have fun at those shows this weekend. Oh, man, I appreciate it. All right, another show is in the books. Join me tomorrow starting at 6 as I will welcome Sammy P to the show for his usual Friday appearance, handicapping the football weekend. Only one college game this weekend, Army-Navy, but plenty of great NFL games to talk about. And a multi-segment chat with Derek Drescher, stand-up comedian who's going to be headlining the Red Room at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Thanks for tuning in today. Have yourselves a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.